out of Juniors. I'm Erin. I'm Victoria. I'm Hebeka. And this is Out of Tune. Wow, you guys. For some reason, it feels like a whole month has passed since our last episode to this episode. Agree. Uh, a lot of things have happened. We'll get into it later, I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. Out Tuning today was brought to you by the Apollo Orchestra, one of those wonderful live stream videos I found on YouTube. And yeah, so it's from there. A lot of fun. Amazing. Yes, and so we are continuing our Black History Month celebrations on our podcast, and we are talking about the Canna Mason family, family. siblings, <laughs> the incredible people that are their family. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were, I guess, kind of inspired to talk about them today based off of um, the recording of Deep River that we shared last week that was like one of, you know, or an arrangement of of that piece um and i feel like we all know sheku who is Mm -hmm. the cellist he's kind of a a household name at least in the classical musical world i feel like everyone knows him yeah um you always ask us like when was our first interaction with the composer and this time i was thinking about this question and i didn't realize that my first interaction with I first met him. Oh my god. <laughs> he was playing the Elgar concerto and there was a like it was last year and I was listening to this concerto a lot and I I just found his his performance like so amazing. Mm. It was something that his expressions and his phrasing and everything it was something that it would get you like on the edge of the chair and it was like impossible not to get moved by his performance. Mm-hmm. I think my first interaction with Sheku was when he actually, it was like when he won the big competition, the BBC Young Musician competition. In 2016? Yeah, 2016. It was on Mm -hmm. Facebook. It was like a video on Facebook. It was like this new cellist and he's 17 years old and he's playing Shostakovich. It was like, you know, tick all my boxes. I was like, yeah, this sounds great. (laughs) And he's British. What? Yeah. Um, yeah. literally taking all my boxes um and then i uh, then i re- also remember seeing a video of their entire family yeah. playing chardosh um and it was like i mean they're all like kind of like in a con- like maybe like a hallway area mm-hmm. all, it's really cool so that was like i can't remember when that was though I yeah tried, i tried finding that i was like i've I, I thought I had like video. saved it on Facebook, but I didn't. I have the video. <gasps> you do. Well, it's on a classic FM page about the family. Let me mm. see. If I, look I back saw up. that. I saw that classic FM too. Yeah, that was how I remember seeing them for the first time too. Um, it was just because I think that video was just circulating on Facebook of the whole family in their little hallway, and that was filmed in 2015. Thanks, okay. Matt classic fm so i must have seen that first and then saw sheku because that was after cool Mm -hmm. want to know okay good okay i figured we could uh kind of go through each sibling each child of the canna mason family uh Mm -hmm. in order because they're all kind of iconic and incredible and i would like to be any one of them 
you want to talk about the parents too or oh my gosh we should talk about the parents do you have some info i have a little bit about them i'm first of all curious to know more the mom i only heard her referred to as caddy caddy okay i'll call her on the docu on a on a documentary i watched uh they were calling her caddy and Stuart is the father okay i'll call her caddy for now we're we're on a first name basis we're familiar um but yeah caddy the mom she wrote a book which i think it's available like on amazon uk and then like the uk sites and stuff but what I'm just, I'm interested to know, like, what did they do? Like, the parents must be so involved in a really good way for all the kids to love music so much. Because mm. it's all of them, you know? I don't know. Or maybe the older sister, um, Isata, picked to, to play classical music, and then all of them were just like, oh, OMG, I want to be, like, big sis. I don't Literally. know. Literally. Yeah. Well, actually, I have some info about that, but if you want to, you can okay. continue about okay. what, about the parents. I, I feel like I just, I want to know their secrets pretty much because they seem like pretty <laughs> good parents. Yeah, uh, totally. But they're based in Nottingham, England, which I didn't know. And Stuart Mason is a business manager and Caddy is a former university lecturer. And they both played instruments when they were younger, but obviously didn't go on to do it as their career. Um, and Caddy mentioned somewhere that she purposely uh never talked about the lack of black classical musicians to her kids which i thought was interesting and i know you might have a little bit more on that but yeah i just want i wish there was more info but i'm sure the book goes into detail on how like they raised the kids yeah and on this documentary i watched it's available on amazon prime if you have an acorn tv subscription um if you just search sheku or the canamason you can find it but um so they in the documentary the mom basically is like always with the children mm-hmm. like you know like you know cooking food taking them to school stuff like that and the dad is always at work yeah and um but they both kind of talk about because they both obviously have the same ideas of how they wanted to raise their children and they decided on sending all of them to a private school where music is understood and valued. Hmm. Um, and it's also like a major part of the curriculum. Wow. And then something that they kept mentioning um, that they tried to not enforce, but to integrate, I think, in the best way in their family is um, the ro- like the role of time management and how, por- how important it is. And um, they don't really have to guide their children anymore to practice every day because of it mm-hmm. um and so th- like i the dad starts talking about he's like well you know like on the weekends like they, they'll they can practice two or three hours a day and then you know if you wake up you know at a normal morning hour he goes you can have like eight hours left in the day to do whatever you want to do um and patty is like mom of the year i feel because she wakes them a week some of them at this documentary was like around the time I think Sheku won the competition in 2016 where he kind of went on to the international mm-hmm. stage kind of um but she wakes them up at like 4 30 in the morning on on the weekends and they take a two-hour train ride to London that she goes with them to the junior academy of the Royal Academy of Music 
And she, at that point, had been doing it for 10 years. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, and, like, and also she has, like, younger, like, uh, kids mm-hmm. underneath, like, Isata, Prima, and Sheku. And, um, and from reading their website, they, they have a canamasons.com website, which is really cute. Where yeah. they all, like, all the, like, all the kids have, like, their own page and stuff. Yeah. And they all are doing, like, Royal Academy of Music stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the youngest Marietta is in the primary Royal Academy of Music. She's 11. And then the other like teenagers are in the junior Royal Academy of Music. So that is so incredible. Yeah. Really interest. Um, really like amazing her attitude, the mom, like giving herself to the kids and mm-hmm. educating all this time. Yeah. And the dad it had this like huge kind of, um, uh, I think uh, Sheku, Brahma, and Isida were playing in a concert that they were all in, and he was talking about how the family makes a really huge effort to support each other at all of their performances, mm-hmm. but also, like, their dreams of, like, you know, necessarily, like, you know, now he goes, the dreams are changing. It's becoming, like, okay, I have these opportunities. Which ones do I really want to do, and why do I want to do this this one over something else, or you know, prioritizing and supporting whatever decisions that they make. Mm-hmm. It's really wonderful the way that the, the parents like respect the kids and and their choices and and them and like them as musicians. It's pretty beautiful. Family yeah. goes, right? Family goes. <laughs> yeah. Um. So can I go through? I guess like all of the kids. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> first things first. We have Isita. She's twenty four years old, so she's like our age. Damn. Um, she's Damn. she plays piano and she started playing when she was six years old, and I think they they kind of focused on her a lot in the beginning, like in the documentary, because she was like getting bored with school, like she was like like it was too like easy for her, and so they started piano for her, so that it would like fill up her mind, so that she wouldn't like be bored with just like doing schoolwork and stuff. And by the time that uh, by the time she was eleven, she had achieved the highest marks in the country for grade seven and grade eight piano. Which I had to do some research on. I was like, "What does that mean?" Yeah, because we don't have like a system here in the U.S. But it's basically like they get levels. Like even if you're just like, like you're not t- like going to a school to like learn piano, to say like you're at a certain. It's like levels, and you have to like take ex- like these playing exams slash tests that are judged. And then I think they publish or they, they taught or they, it's somehow like known about who gets like the highest marks. It must be published or something. And she got like the highest marks when she was 11 for the mm-hmm. highest levels of piano. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then by the time she was 18, she won the Elton John scholarship um, at the Royal Academy of Music. And he basically just funds a huge scholarship for a promising young musician. Um, and then most recently, she presented at the proms, which is so iconic, so jealous. And she's currently a postgrad student at the Royal Academy of Music. And then I guess kind of a recurring theme in pretty much all of the kids is that they somehow are a finalist or involved with the BBC Young Musician mm-hmm. competition. And she was a finalist of the piano category in 2014. So that's Isata. Nice. And wait, should I play something that should I play a recording of her? Oh, yes. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay, so 
like I said, I am obsessed with this family. <laughs> and I became more obsessed with Isita because she has an entire album that is dedicated to the music of Clara Schumann. Wow. Even, can we take that a is... moment? <laughs> amazing. Like, Mark, I just... Yeah. It's just, it's amazing. And there's even, like, there's two pieces on here that are written by Robert Schumann, but she, like, Clara Schumann arranged it. So mm -hmm. I think it was, like, a vocal piece that Clara Schumann, like, arranged for piano. Mm -hmm. So what I'm going to play... I'm going to do the third movement of Clara Schumann's Piano Concerto in A minor. Okay. was very good like so amazing so also just a friendly reminder always listen past 30 seconds on spotify <laughs> so that we, the artists and you know all of the performers get those those royalty fees <laughs> just throwing that out there okay <laughs> okay so let's move on to the second child of this wonderful family um, so this is going to be Brima. He's 23 years old and he plays violin. He, um, I don't have a lot about him. I do, based off of the documentary, he seems to be like really close with Sheku. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the times when they were both practicing, they kind of like collaborated a lot and would give each other comments. And then they even were commenting about how uh, it's easier to give each other feedback and critique because they're siblings, not because they're friends. And I was like, that's interesting. That makes <laughs> like, sense. They, like, yeah, it totally makes sense. But also I just felt like the, like, yeah, like it's so much harder to give friends like critique than like a sibling, I feel. It's because when you're, it's your sibling, like you kind of hate each other anyway, but you love each other anyway. Like it's a, it's a love-hate relationship in a lot of aspects. And it's just <laughs> natural, which is what happens when you critique somebody in music. Yes, literally. 
So he also did his undergrad studies at the Royal Academy of Music and attended the Junior Royal Academy of Music, but he's currently an artist in residence at Brighton College. And on um, like his bio on the Canon Mason website, it kind of um, all, all of the stuff he does is like really involved with chamber music. Like he's mm-hmm. a part of a bunch of different chamber ensembles, which speaks to my heart. Um, I love chamber music, so um, I don't. I don't have a solo recording of him, but I do have a recording where he's playing with Sheku. So after we talk about Sheku, which we have a lot to say about Sheku, I think, um, I can share a recording of Rima. So Sheku is next. He is the third eldest child, and he's 21 years old. Now, like we've kind of already said before he won the bbc young musician competition in 2016 at the age of 17 incredible and Mm -hmm. my like fun fact about that competition is that he played shostakovich in each round of (laughs) really yeah he (laughs) different stuff different stuff (laughs) my man I know. I was like, Aaron's going to love that fact. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Um, And his final round was the Shostakovich cello concerto. Something that I also find interesting about this performance is that he played a suite for cello by Casado, and it is a Spanish composer. And I thought it was very interesting for not being... It is very well-known among the cello repertoire, but it's also like not one of the main ones yeah i don't i don't think i'm even familiar with it i'm gonna have to look it up Mm -hmm. me too it is very uh he was a cellist so he's uh written for a very idiomatic um very dramatic writing and it's very virtuosistic too Mm. and his sister aista was uh, um playing with him and his other sister, one of his other sisters was page turning. He was like, oh yes, I'm excited to play with them. I and just, oh, I, I love I, their dynamics, like as I a family. Know, right? It's so I, cute. Aista was saying how it is easy to pr- practice with him because some things they don't even have to say. They just mm-hmm. play and they know what they're doing. Yes. Isn't it like amazing? I mean, it is amazing. the goal, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think something that, uh, is I guess, super important about his win for this competition was that he was the first black musician to do so since like the competition started. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's something really cute, um, in the documentary when the dad is talking about his win, he says he, he, the way that he viewed like all of his kids is that they felt like that like they had won as well because they're mm-hmm. all just so close and they they work together they collaborate together um it's really wonderful so i kind of i'm going to play a little bit of his shostakovich like concerto performance um in Ooh. the final round because oh, it's just so good and aaron is here so we have to play some shostakovich <laughs> <laughs> i mean also for me too cuz he's my yeah. favorite Okay, so here is just a little bit of the beginning of the concerto. Mm-hmm. 
to stop it there. Oh no. Oh my god. Aww. This is one of my favorite concertos like ever. Ever. Yes. Ever. Oh my god. I still remember the first time I heard it live. And it was, was so good. I was it just hit me so like d deep inside. I just wish I could play cello. Mm. I know, it's so every, good. Every time I feel like I hear cello or something and I just am like, I want to play that instrument, but I can't. It's too late. You know what? Yeah. It's not too late. <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> um okay. So that competition kind of like mm. catapulted him to the international stage. But what really made him a household name is when he played at Prince Harry and Meghan's wedding, which, oh, yeah. yes, I did wake up early in the morning <laughs> to watch. Um, <laughs> and so I also have uh, the video of that. Um, of course you do. <laughs> of course, because, like, hello, I'm obsessed. And I've also watched this uh, before. And I also remember when, because I don't think I knew that he was gonna play and then when they said Sheku Kanemis and I was like oh my gosh I know who that is and like mm -hmm. also like how how iconic that they asked him to play I know it's very like um you can tell they're like modern people you know I mean yeah. they are obviously Meghan Markle and Prince Harry totally. there's there's an interview for the uh, GQ magazine that he's mm -hmm. he's talking about how it happened and one day he got a phone call and they were asking like hi so we got to know you and we saw that you were like a very interesting and we, we were on wondering if you would like to play in our wedding <laughs> oh my god i didn't know that story yes. <laughs> wait did they call him personally i think so i mean oh from, my god. from what i got from the interview yeah <laughs> is uh it's a video that he's reacting to his performance video from the wedding oh wow it's nice. so touching wow oh i love that oh my gosh so okay british. well um yeah i mean I, I mean i love everything british so i'm gonna play the beginning just the first piece that he played he played three pieces okay so i'm just gonna play the first piece that he played at the royal wedding because it's a female composer. It's a uh, Sicilian by Maria Teresa von Paradis.
that's so nice. Yeah. That is I, amazing. I was melting in here, you guys. I felt so professional. Like, I, I would have messed up so bad if it were me in a live it, performance for the wedding. Yeah. Could you imagine? And also, like, I was, uh, like, because it, uh, I can't remember where I read it, but it was, like, you know, talking about how he's a household name because billions of people around the world watched mm -hmm. the wedding and yeah. saw him. Uh, it is, everybody's so fascinated by the royals in England, so that's... I mean, such a cool thing so, to do yeah. yeah you know in the interview that he talks about this performance he also says like uh how he was kind of nervous because mm. he couldn't warm up before and he was saying like usually in performances he have like a, a separate room to warm mm. up for mm. 20 minutes and play a little bit before but for the wedding, he had to stay there, stand like waiting through the whole ceremony until oh. the part that he would play. And he had like 20 seconds to go sit and start playing. And that was something like, uh, chal not challenging, I would say, but uh, he was putting it in a way that it was something new for him. I and would have died. <laughs> I, I mean, if you think about that's what we do on gigs or weddings. That is true, but this but gig is like... <laughs> yeah, but on gigs we're playing like Viva La Vida. <laughs> you know, we're playing, I don't know... Canon and D, Taco Bell. Yeah. <laughs> and not not this this yeah. is another level he also oh, played yeah. um what else did he play he played appraisal rev uh, which is foray and then ave maria schubert's schubert's rendition of ave maria it's very interesting that in this um and he was 19 at the time sorry i, I just had to put yeah he was this yeah. was like a couple years ago he was 19 i know and he talks about like his facial expressions mm. and how people a lot of people comment on that because he has very strong facial expressions i don't find it and, that distracting you know i just want to say to these people that <laughs> talk about his facial expressions let him be okay you guys just let him just do his weird facial expressions and he even says that uh, like he was um even more strong when he was younger and but it's not something that he plans or he uh, uh, does. Is like how no, you don't, you can't like choreograph your face. face. Like, I guess. But yeah, he and he says like it's just like how his face interprets the music. Mm -hmm. Isn't it beautiful? So yeah, yeah, just let him be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I feel like every like musician has like, I've gotten comments about like the way I raise my eyebrows sometimes really yeah totally like from friends who are like are not musicians they'll oh i think also i mean not to put my best friend ricky on the spot but he definitely is like i think he asked me one time he was like do you like is that something that happens naturally do you plan that out and i was like no <laughs> and i didn't know how to describe when i do facial you know what i mean like how do you describe yeah. like when you do or don't like it just happens yeah. I literally think I think it, we can relate to the way that we speak. When we're very excited, yeah. our eyes get bigger and our eyebrows lift. Or That's when so we're true. Sad, we just like, yeah. I think it's the same way with when we play. Mm, totally. For some people, it's more the same mm -hmm. way that some people talk with more facial gestures. Some people talk with the hands too. Very personality based. <laughs> I 
very personality based. That is and true. I can think of like ten people right now who I like immediately come to mind. I can yeah, one. You could just <laughs> tell. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. It just makes me laugh. <laughs> I think we're all thinking of one very specific. Yeah, I was gonna ask who, and then I was like, oh no, we'll confirm <laughs> after we stop recording. Though I gotta. Know. <laughs> <laughs> um Anyways. but yeah getting back to Sheku um he is currently also studying I mean at uh, so right, I guess yeah so Isita is at Royal Academy Music Brahma was but now he's gone and Sheku is still there uh mm-hmm. studying and he records exclusively for Decca Classics an icon um and just recently in 2020 he was awarded an MBE for his services to music by the Queen, Aww. which is basically like an honorary knighthood. Wow. Oh, he got one too. Yeah. Isn't that so cute? That is nice. <laughs> so, um, okay. So I kind of want, I want to share the Deep River um, recording that I shared last week because that is the Canamason trio that is made up of Isida, Brahma, and Sheku. Nice. And I feel like it just gives us some, you know, like, we know who they are. We know who all of them are now. Mm -hmm. So, here we go. That's going to be on my Spotify wrapped, you guys. Aww. I'm predicting it now. I listen to it all the time. Really? Yeah, it's just so calming and soothing and I don't know what it is about it. I'm I obsessed. I should to my before going to bed. It's going to help me. It's just, it just, it, it, it feels good. I don't know what it yeah. is. Um, I don't know how to like describe it. That cup of hot chocolate. Mm. on a so- cozy sofa looking to the window watching the snowfall like a hug that was so beautifully descriptive Rebecca. Oh my it gosh. was oh it, my gosh <laughs> like imprinted in my head and then you listen to ah oh, perfect with a cat on your lap too oh my god i'm gonna cry i know oh, right <laughs> that's like the serotonin i need right now yeah oh my gosh Okay, so let's anyway. move on to the next <laughs> child. We'll get back to Sheku, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so the next child, I keep saying child, sibling person, is Kanya. She is 20 years old. 
She plays violin and piano, and she oh, is at the Royal Academy of Music right now, where she studies piano. That's all I have on her. And then the next is uh, Jenaba. She's 18. She plays cello and piano. She, um, in the documentary, they all kind of describe her as being the softest player. Mm-hmm. It's like if they, like there's two pianos in their house and whoever is in the hallway one, they would prefer it to be Jenaba because she's not like, like really, really loud. She's mm-hmm. like delicate player. Um, and she's also, oh, no, no, she's okay. Now here is where I was like, oh, Royal College of Music. So she's not at the Royal Academy of Music. She's at the Royal College of Music studying piano. Um, she was a keyboard finalist with the BBC Young Musician Competition, and she made her debut with the China K Orchestra, which we will talk about more, um, in October 2020, playing Florence Price's Piano Concerto in One Movement. Uh, heck. Wow. I know, heck like, yes. just amazing. Oh, and so I ch- unfortunately can't find a recording of it. I don't think they post their recordings on oh, online. I tried looking for it, but I couldn't find it. <clears throat> and then the next one is um, Aminata. She plays piano and violin. She's 15, and she attends the Junior Royal Academy of Music, where she studies both violin and piano. And then the last daughter is uh, Marietta. She plays cello and piano. She's 11, and she uh, studies both at the Primary Royal Academy of Music. Aww. And now, Erin, what are we missing here? viola <laughs> i knew i was there like wow violists. none of them play like solely viola look does the mom or dad like does one of them play viola no so actually it was funny because they were talking about all the instruments that they have in the house and they like say like four cellos three pianos and then one viola <laughs> well i'm glad they have one like who who doubles sometimes who plays it i'm not sure what we'll, I have, need we'll need to probably, find out and probably yeah one of i feel like it has to be like konya or maybe eminata because they play violin so i'm thinking yeah which but, one um, had the softer energy jenaba she oh, plays cello and piano cello, though yeah because mm-hmm. i was saying she'd probably make a good violist probably we're chill people yeah totally so i want to share a recording they as a family recorded carnival of the animals by sessons wow um and so this is their entire family playing uh aquarium
Isn't it so good? Nice. Amazing. And Aaron, I was just looking at who was playing viola, and none of them were. Um, it's a violist called. Uh, his name is Timothy Rideout. He's Welcome like... to the family, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I actually follow him on Instagram. Really? He's a, yeah, he's a British, like really well-known violist. You should check him out. He's really good. But I was like, okay. I wonder if any of them were playing viola, but it wasn't. It was just a, they got someone else to do it, <laughs> which Jeez. I find so funny. I don't know why. <laughs> it's because it is funny. Like, <laughs> let's just be real. <laughs> None of them want to play viola. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Anyway, um, take a moment to just imagine how would like how it is their house. No. Oh my gosh. I wish I could play you a clip from the documentary because like it's just like the practice rooms at any music school. Exactly right. You just constantly hear music, and I think also um, the mom was joking. She's like, all they do is sleep, practice, and eat. But, like, and Aww. she's, like, and they eat a lot of food. Like, she was, like, joking. <laughs> it was really cute. And uh, how they, like, uh, take turns with a good piano. I feel mm. like it must be, like, almost, like, reserving a room. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Yes, the, the good piano. Singer. They take, yeah, they take turns. Like, there's, like, I guess one good piano. And they'll take turns of who, who gets to I practice on that piano. Very interesting. It's really, it's, it's, the like, a mini school. Yes. Yeah. It must be such a good environment, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Nice. Inspirational. Yes, inspiration. Yeah. Like that moment, that day that you don't feel like practicing or you, you can't get out of that bar, that measure. You just have like your siblings and your whole family supporting you. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, And then something else that I wanted to talk about was the something that they mentioned in the documentary and i think aaron you mentioned it at the beginning where like the mom they didn't really talk a lot about how like they were gonna like how there's not that many mm-hmm. black musicians in classical music and and or i should say the lack of black musicians in class in classical music and sheku and brima there's like a conversation in the in, later in the documentary where they they talk about that they're aware of this yeah. But that they want to normalize being black and playing classical music. And that is kind of used as a segue into the documentary focusing on um, this amazing orchestra that I was sort of aware at first, but I didn't, I, I'll be honest, I didn't do a lot of research about it before, but it's called the uh, China K uh, Orchestra. And most of the siblings are involved with it. I think the only maybe siblings right now that aren't really involved are the younger ones um Aminata and Marietta but um so the Chinake Orchestra is Europe's first majority black and ethnically diverse orchestra which is amazing let's clap for a moment here yeah and to to see if like the, the video is so refreshing um and they start talking about how important it is to them um, that they're a part of and that like they really believe in its message mm-hmm. and the big like debut after Sheku winning the BBC Young Musician competition was playing um, uh, the Haydn cello concerto with this orchestra Aww. and it's kind of it's like amazing they pull like they 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 like are showing the ensemble and there's people from you know Germany Finland Denmark 
England, obviously, like all these different countries, and they're coming together to be in this orchestra, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but also really fun was that Brima um, was in the violin section, and Isida was on the piano part. Oh, that's um, amazing. Which, which is really cute. And the whole family came and like so some extended family from the dad's side came and um and the dad kept saying I am going to cry later and it was it was cute. Um and I just want to play a little bit from his performance there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, this is the the Haydn cello concerto. That was so fast. It's so fast, isn't it? Like I even like watching him play it, he's a blur. Like his hand is <laughs> his fingers are a blur. And it's so clear and articulate. And like you hear every single note. It's amazing. Like he wasn't I I think this was a year later, so he was either 17 or 18. Wow. When that was and that was live too. That wasn't even. It sounds recording. so professional. That's a live performance. So wow, um, I am obsessed with Shaku. Anyway, your <laughs> Edwards thoughts? I don't know, I don't know why. Yeah. I just want him in the conversation. You know, for the cello aspect. Oh my god! Yeah, we should have Ed one day. Saint Ed. <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, Ed Aaron is the cello professor at UMass, and we absolutely and- adore him. And the god, right? Our the god. god. The he god is of a... our music. Yes. <laughs> saint of our he's music. the saint of UMass. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I guess just to I guess sum everything up. Um, one thing that Sheku also talks about, and I think also like his family talks about 
um, is bringing classical music to the youth, kind of changing the audience demographic into not just old people, but mm -hmm. young people and also diverse groups of people. Um, and his agent gets on the documentary and starts talking about how there was there were so many offers um like of like recording contracts to Sheku after he won because you know they saw so much potential but it was also that they saw him being the next you know really iconic cello name out there in the world that was not only going to like be able to bring classical music to different people but to break boundaries with classical music yeah. and I feel like that kind of goes back to what Habeka was saying about playing you know not a standard piece at a competition like and he still won you know like it, yeah. it and so. I think it's so interesting that like you said on the documentary that the family they understand their position and they they're like taking it they're like okay yes we're gonna really be the models for this next next generation and mm -hmm. the models to like breaking walls and setting new boundaries and raising totally. the roof yeah. so i th i think it's awesome that they acknowledge that mm -hmm. and yeah. they do it so casually almost and just with it, like it's like yeah it's like it's not hard right? yeah. but also i feel like it, all of the kids even though heck even the parents like could so easily like i can totally imagine seeing them on tiktok or like anywhere and having oh, yeah like, like they could be people yeah they could be successful with like whatever they wanted to do absolutely yeah and like sheku has some recordings of like the hallelujah that we all know and love from the shrek movies oh my gosh <laughs> and like some bob marley like arrangements and it's little things like that where it's like okay he's very in touch with like what people what the average person he's would a really want person too yeah that's and it's that's a way that somebody could get in and then listen to like his carnival of the animals which is also totally. know about yeah. it you know? should awesome. i play a little bit of the hallelujah i had that yes <laughs> okay here we go this is it's arranged by tom hodge um but it's leonard 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 cohen excuse me um hallelujah
pop it there. What a beautiful arrangement, you guys. I'm a fan of uh, uh, like really well thought and planned arrangements like this one, where everybody knows that like we all know the tune, but still they managed to bring some surprises and some different textures and harmonies. I love that. Yeah, yeah, and I can really see them like on instagram they should who doesn't want to listen to a cello version of hallelujah like literally there's nobody i can think of i can see these kids on instagram and then all of a sudden they have a bunch of fans who are like under the age of 50 and they want to go see them perform live i don't know that's really cool i think that yeah they're like totally great yeah. in every way mm -hmm. also i'm just reading this description under his this youtube it's on his channel it says um but it so it's talking about Sheku's version of Bob Marley's No Woman No Cry went viral worldwide and he became the first BBC Young Musician winner to, en to enter the official UK albums chart. Nice. And that's really cool. And then it's talking about I didn't I didn't catch this in my research but he uh, made his uh, BBC Proms debut with the Chinake Orchestra. So that's really cool too. He's just doing so many things. Like yeah. I'm missing. Like I miss stuff. Like because it's a lot. It's so much. And I thought I was like, oh, these are the important things. It's like yeah. following Lady Gaga or something. Yes. Like, like how do you write down all that she's done? I you, know. You can't. I... Oh my gosh. Can we have a Lady Gaga episode? Yes. <laughs> that would actually be really cool. I honestly. love her. She's amazing. She is. Why not extend to pop music? You know. No, we can talk about anyone. That's and very... Lady Gaga's classically trained. We can yeah. talk about how she broke boundaries into the pop world. Yes. Why not? Yeah, let's do it. Listeners, let us know if you want a Lady Gaga episode. <laughs> we'll probably we'll have, to, we'll have to get the Lady Gaga Chromatica Oreos to eat while we oh my God. <laughs> We sold out at Target. I saw some at Stop and Shop the other day. Maybe I'll go to Stop and Shop then. I wonder if they're still there. They were like by the cash registers up front. Ooh. Anyway, I digress. I just love how we, we went from Hallelujah to <laughs> <laughs> But I just wanted to say, if we're going to, to pop world, maybe we could also put some K-pop because... Oh, Becca. We could, we could talk about how, like, how I, different genres of pop have broken yeah, boundaries. We could totally talk about that. We because, could talk about Lady Gaga, K-pop, you know? No, because Shiny definitely has classical training, you guys. Do yeah. is I, I have, like, clips and performances of them like singing opera like oh my gosh great they are wow really good i had no idea and they are having a comeback in the 22nd you guys oh my gosh <laughs> well you can you can inform us and educate us on on k-pop stuff yes i, I am fun, actually so lost when it comes to k-pop so there's a lot going on all the time so yes. much going on where i will see something on like tiktok or something and i'm like huh what? what is this? <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah, so should we move to the second half? Yes. I so mean, I would love to talk more about the Canamasons, but I'm sure we'll probably they they do so much. They're going to come up in another episode in the future. Will, like definitely. Also, I'm just completely obsessed with their family and mm -hmm. I mean most specifically Sheku. I love Sheku. I'm obsessed with him. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, let's move on. Well, <laughs> 
For this second part, I just wanted to share with you guys a little bit of what is happening right now, or at least mm. a little bit of what I researched about the Black History Month. And I would like to encourage you guys to also go and Google and research to see what your university is doing or what your community is doing to promote this month. So there are a lot of uh, online events that we can go um, there and some museums are also promoting series for example mm. um, the National Museum of African American History and Culture is offering a digital interactive art program for teachers and their students in grades 3 to 8 adapted oh, wow. from our summer program from their summer program artists at home is designed to engage students in hands-on art making and conversations about african-american artists and different genres of visual art with mm. that there there goes is to introduce students to influential african-american artists and their unique approaches to art making engage students in close-looking exercises for visual art, inspire curiosity about different genres of art and artist techniques, and provide uh, learning opportunities and cultivate crea creative expression. It, it is really interesting. I found it yeah. very interesting. And it's a series every Friday. Um, they also have a series going on Saturdays. If you're listening to this before 4 p.m., you can check, you still can catch um, their February 13 event. It's called Artful Observations. And with that, they hope to encourage crit critical thinking, careful observation, and perspective taking through guided close looking exercises. Mm. You don't have to have any formal art or history training background and it's everything online and for free you guys wow i would have loved this as a kid for sure i'm gonna have to check it out will they will they let 24 year olds do it <laughs> <laughs> i also checked a little bit of about our ums page and mm. they have um on february 17 online too uh, the black church this is our story this is our song it is an online event is the 28th annual Massachusetts Multicultural Film Festival and they're presenting a screening and Q&A of this movie, The Black Church. This is our story. This is our song. Very interesting, you guys. Another movie too, um, that is for February 20, is The Black Panthers Vanguard of the Revolution. It is if um, a series. It is also a movie, and by the filmmaker Stanley Nielsen, he and he examines the rise of the Black Panther Party in the 1960s mm. and its impact on civil rights and American culture. Nice. So UMass page has more events. You can check it out, you guys, and I encourage you to also check your universities and other other resources there's a lot going on online you guys so if you want to educate yourselves there's a lot of a lot of opportunities 
love thank you nice. thanks for sharing that because yeah, i need to go do some things me too yeah, yeah. so that was the, my my spiel for the events <laughs> part love that well it i thought it would be a good idea to kind of also talk about what's currently going on in all of mm-hmm. our lives um in school right now at the U of Mass. U of Mass. <laughs> the U Mass. <laughs> um, so to put it sh- short in a short and in much lightly. What is that? What is it to put, to it, put it there? It Thank you so much. To put it lightly. <laughs> to put it. Long story short. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> Sounds like you're gonna say like to put it longly. <laughs> <laughs> long story short. I can speak. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long week can you tell yeah um, <laughs> um so we had a huge huge spike in cases and uh at umass within the first week like we hadn't even yeah we hadn't even made it a week we were mm-hmm. almost at the like monday it was like sunday night of the first week of school and the university raised the risk level too high of potential exposure to COVID. Um, and we're still going up, you guys. It's like more than doubled. It's like above, yeah. like, I think they said within like, okay, so within the first week, there was 239 cases, which is oh so much. It's like 600 it's new ones. It's like 600 right now. Yeah. So um, we have been put under a two week sequester in place which is a lockdown but they just don't want to sound it i guess they don't want it to sound like i don't know just call it a lockdown i don't know that's, that's just me true. though but um yeah sequester in place which is basically for all of the students on campus you you need to stay in your dorm you can only leave to get food they even were discouraging students from taking like walks mm-hmm. outside which is kind of wild and they were saying that's that they can get their exercise from when they go to testing at uh, the testing uh-uh. yeah i don't know about that but um but i get it like there it's it's a pretty serious yeah serious issue right now and the severity is extremely high it's frustrating because i understand but it also just it's so terrible for the people for the students who like have in-person classes and who have been doing this for a while now and who are being safe and now like I know we know our our little undergrads who are in the pro- music program with us, and like I they're feel such so good bad for them. kids. They're such I... good kids. Now they have to like they can't even go for a walk. Yeah. Or they're not supposed to. They're not supposed I know some... to. But I've I mean you if I drove on campus today there was people out and about everywhere. Yeah. So. But they, I think so I think they were like not encouraging it, basically not saying that you couldn't do it. I mean, technically, but, it does. I was reading the FAQ, and it says like it. Pre- the word they really? use is it's some like a sneaky language where it basically means like yeah technically you're not allowed to go for a walk but guys i think it kind of makes sense it was so scary i live very close yeah. to this, right so i know usually i went like during the winter break i was going for walks like on campus because there was literally mm-hmm. no one and this saturday it was the first saturday of the semester mm-hmm. and there was so many people it yeah. looked like a, a normal day yeah uh, on like a, a weekday with classes going on there was so many people and it was like 10 p.m 
it was crazy. So I do understand why they're encouraged, like, I think I do too. Yeah, I get it, but it's sad. At least I know it's sad for people that are in dorms and don't have where where else to like walk Mm -hmm. because walking, especially now in the winter that we just stay inside like for so long, it's need that vitamin D. Yeah, or just just see some sun or anyways, but yeah, I am checking the the dashboard COVID dashboard right now and right now it's uh we are on the 12 and there's 603 cases yeah it's like it's more than doubled and it hasn't even been a week i mean not even a week until like since we've been under lockdown um wait i have a question yeah tobacco you you're in the know because you're on the frat street are there still parties and stuff oh my god yes really let me tell you yesterday night it was what time it was i think it was 11 and i heard like this car pulling up and a lot a bunch of voices and yes and Mm. then the music started to play like later on yes dang i think Here's my thought. My biggest frustration with all of this is not even at the... I mean, yes, I'm mad at the students who are ruining it for everyone, especially the undergrads who are trying to actually just, like, go to school. Mm -hmm. But we were put in this situation, and to me, this is not a surprise. This is not something that I didn't expect. I, I, I thought, to me, this was inevitable. Did I expect... For it to happen within the first week? Absolutely not. Really? I thought for sure that it was... You invite 60% of the population back and you think that, like, not you, but, like, the university thinks, (laughs) like, that students are just going to go to classes and not anywhere else out of the goodness of their hearts? No. Because Greek life is stupid, in my opinion, and all they do is party. And some of those Greek life people who live in the sororities and fraternities don't even have in-person classes so and they're just hosting parties and not doing anything so to me this is just inevitable um yes and i'm frustrated that it seemed like it was a surprise to some of the like to the university administration with the emails the really weird emails that we were getting and then to some of the professors as well who like and it's not anything that like they could have i guess predicted and when it was going to happen but like you would think there would have been some like regulated process or like something put in place for when this would happen like some structure and there wasn't any yeah it feels like uh covid is starting over all over again remember like the feeling of last spring like oh my god i just said to hebeka yesterday that it feels like it did last year yeah so i think it's because it felt so like we had gotten into a really good groove here just the few people that were on campus yeah so like i don't think it's i mean at least me i wasn't even really thinking about it until it got really bad and like Working at Target, I'll I'll talk more about this later in my uh, tuning, I guess, but (laughs) working at Target, I could just feel, like, COVID in the building. I could feel it was just, like, dangerous again. Yeah, it's like a dark cloud that's looming over you. Yeah, but I didn't even, like, think about it until it was actually happening, and then I was like, oh my god, like, of course it happened, but at the same time, I was just going into another semester, like, not really thinking about it, so I wonder if that's what happened to most people. 
I guess, but I also think they just thought that the campus agreement that they made everyone sign was going to solve everything. No. But no, of course not. That doesn't. That's not like a tangible like, co- like consequence. You know what I mean? Like it's right. not like they don't see like, oh, if I go and party and I get sick, like there's no like consequence that they see or that they know of. It's like if you have to sign every time you drink a bottle of liquor saying, this might make you feel dizzy. And you're like, okay. Okay. Like, yeah, it's just going to, like, it's not a threat or, you know what I mean? So, I I mean, I'm, my biggest frustration is mostly just with the university. I'm okay Mm -hmm. being online because we've done this before. This is not a new concept to me. Yes, it sucks. Do I wish that I could be playing Mofskowski with Habeka? Heck Yeah. Uh, yeah. We still meet uh, in the mornings, Tuesday, Thursday, 9 to 11, and we practice together. Um, but it's just not the same. Um, no. Same thing with my quintet. I We didn't even get to rehearse once. We had made plans mm-hmm. to rehearse oh, yeah. on, on the Tuesday. Um, we, had, we booked a room. like We were ready to go. And then to get that message on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Or was it? Yeah, like Sunday night. It was Sunday like, morning. Oh, Sunday, Sunday morning. Okay, yeah. yeah. It was just so... I don't know. It was so weird. And... Then to see, like, on the COVID dashboard, like, the, the positive, like, percentage in the last fight, in the last, like, seven days is, like, 2% or something wild. Crazy. And there's, ugh, it's, 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 it's scary, and I want them to just send them home. I just, not, <laughs> no. not, not the, I think they should do it in phases. At first, they should send the people who are being the problem, because there was this big thing that they weren't holding fraternities and sororities accountable, they weren't, like, they weren't starting investigations and then all of a sudden on like wednesday like a couple days later they're they finally announced oh we're investigating whatever fraternity is i don't really care to know but yeah and but like that should have been the first thing they did yeah because the thing is i there was one that was causing the big issues like it's the one that's actually really close to the yeah something like that but that one was causing the big parties but it's not like the other ones aren't having parties too like just like don't let them come back like i don't know what to say <laughs> sororities and frats have never been like great no, <laughs> they're they're problematic enough as it is not to mention global pandemic like just don't just don't let them like no i don't know i wish that we would have just had the same plan yeah yes that would be perfect i know but at the same time i I am sure there's more stuff that we don't even know. Yes. Because we're talking sure. about the frets and like and stuff like that, but we I mean, I there's know also like they're my neighbors, but we don't actually but know But even like, in the my ap- yeah, even in my apartment complex like even yesterday and I'm yeah. sure some tonight and tomorrow night like this, I hear people even, all the time like it's music even more than we actually think. Probably, maybe, yeah. And maybe the weight of responsibility is kind of spread out through these other places that are also acting without responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just don't want to, like, we're not saying this because we have facts or stuff. It's, it's, it's no, stuff I, no but are, it's like, just like, yeah. We feel like, or we have at least i have seen my street well actually yeah but 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 actually it is fact because they um i just saw something the other day where through contact tracing they were able to to locate the super spreader event was at 
the one fraternity, Theta Chi. Oh, yeah. So that's why I was just talking. We were talking oh, about okay. that one because. So it is facts, you guys. It is fact. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, good thing that contact tracing. I mean, it's. I guess it is a good thing because not a good not a good thing that it's happening but like that we have the testing in place like this is like the one positive thing that i've been able to see that is true is because it's able to catch the cases super early like pretty much as they happen yeah and then they have to quarantine um and one thing that my roommate was saying even though like the situation is pretty bad right now we're still a lot better than other universities because we do especially in the south yes it's crazy and because we still have the those tests and we don't have to pay for them. So UMass is just paying for mm-hmm. all the it's tests like and we're dollars a test per person. I know. It's you, crazy. So like even though it's bad, we're still in a better situation than a yeah. lot of people. Yeah. But a lot it... of people are actually having to go to um uh in person classes and there's nothing that they can do about it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I feel like right now, what we're, I think what everyone is experiencing right now is that it's really hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel right now. Yeah. Yes. Like, I, to me, I'm just kind of accepting doom. I'm like, okay, like, mm-hmm. how are my, how is my recital going to happen later this semester? Any yeah. of our recitals, all of our recitals yes. are in April. Um, and like, how are, am I, how is Quintet going to work? Like, if we go online, like, do, should I try and, and find like somewhere else to record? And if, if I find a place, would they even let me record, you know, mm-hmm. for a recital or anything? Which is really sad because UMass invests, at least our department, invests so much money in all those equipments yeah. for recording sound and video. It is really sad that we don't get to use them. Well, we might still, but... Yeah. Yes, but, but it's think... just so hard to be like, okay, everything's going to be fine when we get to April because, like, we made yeah. it one week and we are having to one be inside. Week. I know. It is so frustrating because we we can't actually plan after these two weeks. You must said, okay, quarantine for two weeks. Well, the thing is, they said not. the minimum of 14 days and that it could be extended. I know. So we can't really say what is gonna happen after that's true weeks. it really is like remember uh, almost a year ago when they said the same thing like we're gonna go online for two weeks and then on march yeah 6th, that's or, why or i was just that's why i was just saying to Rebecca yesterday it feels like it did last time where it was like okay we're gonna go back after a week or two weeks or whatever and then it, we just never did never i hope that never. doesn't happen this time but i feel like we will definitely have a better mindset of what to expect. Mm-hmm. I know that we don't like to have expectations, but for that situation, I feel like we would have expectations of what would it like what it would be like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then another thing that I keep thinking about are like all of the students who rely on housing mm-hmm. from the university and also from um I don't know. I just there's so many there's people we know that rely for the university yeah. or on the university for housing and and then the university just if it happens we hope not but if it I happens really that they not, just but... send them home it is such a complicated situation yeah and it's of course really today unfair. yeah and of course today is the uh deadline to request to request a refund right oh. or for like yeah. board and food like or a room and board and what so, am I? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. One of my coworkers at Target was like, 
she's like, of course they got the kid's money, and now if they have to send him home, they have the money. Mm-hmm. Which is what's important to the university to have the money. Yeah. Like, I won't, UMass, of course, cares more about its students than I think a lot of other universities, and they've put in a lot more things. And, like, I definitely think they're on the plus side of. Then compared to other universities, totally, yeah. Yeah. But it's still like, okay, it was, you got the money. Great. They like, were clearly thinking about the money first. I thing. wish Marie was here to help us talk about capitalism because oh, this is so capitalism. It is. It is very capitalist. I hate but, capitalism. Yeah. Man, well, I hate the canon too. <laughs> Abolish the canon. <laughs> Abolish the canon, you guys. Oh my gosh. Well, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. Of course, mm-hmm. we'll be updating on the podcast because this podcast is as much about our lives as it is about music because music is very much our life. So. Wow, that was so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I try. Um <laughs> But yeah, so I guess Habeka. Wait, first, let me ask a question first yeah. that I forgot to ask in the first half. But we can also maybe tie this into what we're experiencing right now. What can we learn from the Cannabis oh, and family? I think just to be uplifted and inspired. They seem to be so like I. They don't seem to be toxically positive, but just comfortably, casually positive people, and yes. that's what I like. They seem very calm, and I'm going to try to take that energy with me. Yeah. I, I think you said it all, Erin. The way they are is so natural, and they're doing everything, like, with just... They're just being themselves, and yeah. I think that's amazing. I think I would say that I would take something from their mom. Because yeah. that woman, oh my god. I want to be... If I'm ever a mom, I want to be like her, or have some inkling of her. Yeah, I just want to inspire people and be able to help or somehow have a positive influence on people's life just like she did to their kids yeah it's amazing yeah I, i agree with both of you i also feel like i want to be as in love with music as they are wow i feel like they really embody when they when they play when they play together, I mean, watching Sheku, watching Aisida, Brahma, all of them, and I kind of want to have all of their vibes <laughs> in a less eloquent way. I want to have all of their vibes in, in my playing. I think that it's just really wonderful to watch them play. It so is. everything you guys said and also that. So Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Habeka. Hello. What's the <laughs> Portuguese word of the day? So today, you guys, this is one of those days that I actually thought about that Ooh. before. Oh my gosh, I'm yes. so proud. Miracle. So today's word is dedicação. Oh. Can you repeat that? I apologize. Oh yes, let me put in the chat. So it is dedicação. 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 Okay, so dedicação. And can you guess what it means? Dedication. Yes. <gasps> really? Yes. It looks like dedication, oh. like written out. It does, actually. Dedication. Yeah. Like dedication. Oh. But, yeah. yeah. Oh. Love. Nice. Dedication. I just thought that the time, there was a phrase that you said, Victoria, about how his, uh, his their dad said about how they manage the time and they don't have the parents don't have to actually manage 
manage it anymore for them. Mm, yeah. And mm -hmm. also all their dedication to practice and to be these amazing people they are and the dedication of their mom. I think this word inspired me today. I love that. Well, I think we, we're going to the end of our podcast with our favorite question. How was your tuning this week? I guess I can go. Um, wow, it really has been a week now that I realized we only found out about this stuff on Sunday. But okay, so I was at Target on Saturday, right? Like a little, I yeah, less than a week ago. Kind of crazy. Wow. And I think I talked last week about just how the vibe felt more dangerous. I remember you texted us, and you were just like, "I can't yes. do it anymore." Yeah. Yeah, and, like, Target frustrates me on a normal day because it's just, like, not the best job, obviously. Like, duh. Like, <laughs> no no shade, but, like, anyone, yeah. No like, shade, but shade. <laughs> like, of course. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. And it's just repetitive. Like, I'm a cashier. Any job at Target, though, is pretty repetitive, no matter what you do. Um, unless you're, like, literally a manager. So... I was already feeling like looking for other jobs and then with COVID I was just like you know I don't want to be here right now because even if kids are quarantined they can still go out for food and where are they going to go? Obviously Target. So mm. I decided to take a leave of absence on Monday and they were very nice about it and they were like yeah you can leave now blah blah blah. So that means I get a month um, but I also applied to some other jobs and I found one at the Holyoke Children's Museum. Oh my gosh, that's oh, amazing. I think I just got the call where they said I got it. They already I had the interview on Wednesday and they were like, We really like you, like you're definitely at the top of the list. But I had to wait and I think I just got a call during the episode and it looks like it was them. Oh my but, gosh. Oh. So that's good. Sending good vibes and hopefully you can confirm it for us. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, yeah, I will like right after we get off. But um Love that. Yeah, it felt so much safer COVID wise and there are little kids and there's like others you know, it's not working at Target, so what can I say? Yeah, that's um, amazing. And the hours are just weekends like set. Oh, and then man. if I want more in the summer, that's a whole nother story. But that's great. Yeah, it's looking good. So I'll give this weekend. Shoot. Oh my god, it's tough. I mine's just awful. I mean, it just not awful. Oh no. <laughs> it's not that it was awful. I just it's so busy. All okay, of a okay. Yeah, you're right. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 because like it would be super good if it were just me getting a job cuz like that's been a goal of mine for a while to get out of the like mm. get out of my rut here. Yeah. But also, you know, I'm docking two points for the COVID stuff because on one hand, it's not unexpected and it's normal to have COVID problems, but also like it's disappointing. So yeah, that's it. That's it for I like me. Your math. Yeah. Well, my week was pretty similar to yours. I I, I guess like just all the COVID thing and yeah. it was very frustrating just having to cancel all, all the rehearsals and all this stuff that we had in person and it's just like for me it's just more time inside my bedroom yeah. like here which yeah. is I mean I was crazy. here during the whole winter break so mm -hmm. but one well good thing I guess uh, I am I just have been realizing how much time I have 
I, I think I mentioned that in the previous episode that last semester I was teaching a class and I didn't realize how much time consuming consuming it was for me and now that I don't I'm not teaching that class anymore I just feel that I have so much time to mm-hmm. so I am really enjoying doing stuff in my pacing I think yeah. I would say that so I love that that's nice I think for actually and of course for this week I was super excited about this episode I was just me so too. obsessed with uh the mason family and being here with you guys is definitely mm-hmm. a great point same um i think i would give this week a seven that's, that's nice good. good yeah mine i don't know i kind of hated this week what at all i uh it's not even like anything that is some i mean it's stuff that's out of my control but i kind of opposite from Habeka, I'm realizing how little time I have for mm. myself recently. I'm super busy teaching all the time, going to class, or like, it's like the normal school stuff, but like mm-hmm. multiplied. For some reason, I said this last semester where like it was the most I've ever worked in school ever. Now this semester is like already way more and I thought it was going to be way less. Wow. No idea. Either I need to redo my schedule or I'm doing too much, but I'm not because I'm just doing the regular amount. But I think it is a combination of um, also like negativity with this week yeah. where I'm feeling like this, where, you know, I'm frustrated with the situation and mm. trying to make the most of things and also going a little stir crazy in my apartment. Mm. So um, I'm going to give this week a six out of 10 because Fair. it's going to improve. I'm going to, it's going to be a better number next week and I'm going to make that a priority. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's my goal. But anyway, I guess we're, we're at the end of our, our pod for this week. Yes. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. We have some new listeners too, we've been told. So, um, which is super exciting. So welcome welcome to out of tune, you guys. You're, you're going to be a out of tuner. So isn't it weird (laughs) that we're saying welcome in the, at the end? Yeah. Well, okay. Oh, well, (laughs) we're a weird, we're a weird podcast. They're used to it or they will get used to it. (laughs) (laughs) Not totally organized, but we try. (laughs) Oh yeah um but yeah uh as always our episodes go up every saturday morning you can find us on instagram and facebook at out of tune pod and this has been out of tune on zoom (laughs) bye guys